0: Have ever put together one of these, first of all, kits that you can assemble? How many of you have ever done that? How many of you got halfway and quit? Or ate it? <laughs> Actually, I think that, quite honestly, I was telling somebody wanted to wanted to eat a cookie. Last night, we had our second Saturday service, and I said, to be totally honest with you, I think this would probably taste better than this, because who knows how long this has been sitting in the box or sitting outside, and after a couple of weeks of sitting right up here, I would not recommend this at all very much to anybody. First of all, let me welcome you. Thank you for being with us here at Joy. We're doing a series called Simply Christmas. If you're watching online, thank you for join, joining us. And uh, trust that you'll enjoy uh, the message and uh, all of the things that we have today. And again, want to thank each of you for being here. I want to give a quick shout out also to our children's ministry. Uh, pulled off a great service last night for a lot of kids. We had over, I think around 40 kids. Yeah, give them a great big hand. And uh, uh A lot of volunteers that did a a, a great work. We were able to bless some parents and... um they did. So, I talked to a couple of people that did some Christmas shopping. I had a dad tell me that they would much rather go out to eat rather than go shopping, but they're going shopping. Happy wife, happy life is what I heard. So anyway, uh, you know that was. I think it was. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I don't try to delve into that too far. But anyway, uh, our children's ministry did did a great job, and we appreciate the the work that they have done to pull off our second Saturday services. It takes a lot of people to do that. Uh, we're doing a series called Simply Christmas, and um, kind of relating a couple of things as it relates to gingerbread houses and part of my reason for wanting to do this series in this way is simply this idea that often uh, christmas is is cluttered. Christmas is difficult. Christmas at times can be extremely uh, uh, you know, pressure packed and, and all of the things that have to happen and then this year we throw in covid and and all of the things and are we going to have Christmas? are we not you know some people are on one side of the mask issue, others are on another side of the mask issue and, and then you have politics and religion and all the other things that can happen at christmas time and it 's sort of like man there 's so much pressure and there 's so much that 's going on and so i 've wanted to kind of sh- try to remove the layers, if you will, of the complexity that can happen sometimes with Christmas. And so, thinking about the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the gingerbread house, and I, I, you know, this is a kit that you can buy in the store, and it's got everything that you need, including Mr. and Mrs. Gingerbread and, um, you know, all of the different parts that you, can, that you can use to make all kinds of stuff. And one day I am, this is almost like a bucket list challenge now for me because it's just like I want to do this. But I also know some things about me that I would get a little bit frustrated by it. Um, and so I think this, if, if you go ahead and show that first picture, this is a really nice gingerbread house. How many of you, how many of you just say that's really, really good? Right? I mean that's really well done, is it not? Now, I don't know how many of you uh, are on Facebook and things Pastor Tommy and his family they did a they did a uh, uh, uh competition where they all built gingerbread houses. Did you guys use did you use this? Something like this? You used a kit? Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do. So if if you saw this on Facebook, they, they all, Pastor Tommy, his wife Angela, and all of their kids built a gingerbread house, and then they put it on Facebook, because they wanted, first, everybody to know how creative they are, and then secondly, because they said, all right, now here's number one, two, three, four, five, we want you to vote. We want you to choose which one do you like the best. Now, I want all of you to ask Pastor Tommy who won. Everybody go to Pastor Tommy and say, hey, Pastor Tommy, who won? And then say, would you please pass on to Angela? Congratulations. <laughs> Now, what most people didn't realize is behind the scenes, Pastor Tommy was scheming because he's, he's, he's cre- he, he is competitive. And he was talking about, actually, Steph gave him an idea, and he literally said, that is a game changer. I'm not telling anybody <laughs> about how to, to do certain things. And so 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 he, he worked hard. I don't know, he, he doesn't know exactly what place he finished. I thought, in fact, he said this. He said that he thought that perhaps maybe... The way that the votes were counted, it was done by the Dominion software people because all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> he, was a, he was ahead and then he lost. So I don't know. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Is it too soon? <laughs> My point, actually I have a so, several points this morning now that I've totally distracted you and interrupted whatever moment maybe we were even having. <laughs> <laughs> I look at that, isn't that not an awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, how many of you know that sometimes you have too much of a good thing? Anyone? Yeah. You know, and that's sometimes what we do with Christmas. We we what God intended, and we shared this last week, but what God intended for Christmas to be this good news of great joy that's for everybody has become something that, that is so complicated and so many layers to it and so much difficulty at times, not just the Christmas season and what perhaps we celebrate in the holidays, but in all of the things that we have put together that it, we have added to the original meaning and intent of what God has. And, and, and I, I, so this next picture is a, is, a, is a gingerbread house that they just couldn't stop they just kept adding and adding. And if like one, if one lifesaver is good, we need to have some more. And hey, we got some Cheerios. Let's, let's put them on there too. We got some cookies and we got all these other things that I look at that house and I sort of get like, it's like, I'm looking at watching hoarders or something and it just bothers me. Anyone? And so how many of you know that just because Something might be a good thing. That doesn't mean that more of it will make it better. Sometimes more of it just makes it more complicated. It becomes cluttered. It becomes something that causes a reaction. In other words, like, ugh. And I don't want your Christmas to be that way. I don't believe that was the intent that God had when he began Christmas. I I, I know that that last week, let me just read this scripture again in, in the book of Luke. Kind of our jumping off point for this series In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 It says there were shepherds who were living out in the field nearby Keeping watch over their flocks at night An angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around about them And they were terrified The angel said to them, do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy Everybody say good good news Great joy The angel said, I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy. When God introduced Christmas, what we call Christmas, Christ's mass, when God introduced Christmas, when he originated the concept of Christianity. When, when Jesus was born, it was a message of good news that was to produce great joy. Not a message that was to produce bondage. Not a message that was to produce you know, conflict and chaos and confusion and, and, and all of the things that sometimes the Christmas season is associated with. And he goes on and he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I love that. This is for everybody. This isn't just for the select few. This isn't just for the holy, the higher, the mighty. It isn't for the elite. It is for everybody. Today in the town of David a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Christmas began, and ultimately, the message of Christianity began, it was something that was to produce good news and great joy, and sometimes our Christmases and our Christianity become so cluttered. They become so full of so many other things that God didn't really, really didn't intend for us to experience, and so let me just, let me just help you with something this morning, very, 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 very practical today. Let me tell you three things that are going to happen to you from now Until the end of this year. Three things that are going to happen to you. Number one, one, here's what's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Something, some of you are already chuckling because you've already had something go wrong. Let me just tell you, something's going to go wrong. It could be the weather, it could be, you know, COVID, it could be who knows what. Something in in this holiday season, for me, holiday season is from Thanksgiving to to New Year. Something in this holiday season, I say that because I don't want anybody to think I'm not saying Christmas intentionally, I'm just, the holiday season is you know that roughly that six-week period where you eat too much, you get stressed out, and then you you know you're happy for the new year because then you can go back on a diet kind of a thing. That's that's the holiday season, and so and, and so in that holiday season, let me just tell you that there will be something that's going to go wrong. Now you don't know what it is. You're planning and you're doing all kinds of different things, but something somewhere it's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to break something or something. Just something's going to go wrong. Second thing that's probably going to happen is that your patience is going to be tested. I think about this when you know, and this is what I honestly this is this is I don't even know what the roof and what the sides are and stuff are exactly, but this is what I think. I think in building this gingerbread house, my my patience. I, I can be patient in a lot of things, but I find myself when I'm doing a project, I find myself saying, "Are you serious?" Really? Are you serious? Because this is what I'm thinking. This is the glue. I thought it was a food pouch. You know, it's actually the frosting. <laughs> but whoops. But I think I don't know. I, I mess it with this just a little bit. And I, you know what? I I think I'd get the glue on there, the frosting, and it would keep doing that. And then I would try to put the roof on, and it would slide down. And then you put the the stuff on. I don't even know if that's the roof. I think it's the roof but I'd put the stuff on each side. My my patience would be severely tested in putting one of these things together. And and, and in this Christmas season, in the holiday season, your patience is going to be tested. They're they're gonna be, whether it's traffic, whether it's people, whether it's something's not open or something's, something's limited, whatever it is, you might be looking for a roll of toilet paper and you might not be able to find it. Your patience is going to be tested. And the third thing that's gonna happen is something or someone is gonna disappoint you. Something's not going to turn out the way that you want it to Kind of like the gingerbread house that I would build In my mind I would have the Pinterest gingerbread house That would look so awesome and look so cool And I would end up with one that nobody would want to eat It would just be that bad And, and, and in, in our life, in our Christmas, in, in, in this season Something is going to happen or someone is going to happen In a way that's going to bring disappointment into your life And I think we've all experienced at times where Christmases, our expectation, our idea of what Christmas was going to be and what we were experiencing in the moment were not the same thing, and that brings disappointment at times. So Christmases are going to go bad from time to time. There's going to be things in your Christmas that's going to disappoint you. Your patience is going to be tested. Something's going to go wrong. But in the midst of all of that, we have to remember what is the message of Christmas? What is the intent and the heart and the the reason behind Christmas? And that, again, is what I'm trying to remove some of the layers of what we have added to what Christmas actually is. Some of the traditions that have become a burden. The expectations that become something that if we don't get the expectation of what we thought Christmas was going to be, now we're disappointed in our Christmas. Christmases are going to go bad because of events that happen, but a lot of times they go bad because we make this entire season more about us than we do anything else. My intention, my desire, how I thought they were gonna react, what I thought they were going to do. And so I can't declutter your Christmas. I can't unstress your Christmas. I can't manage the budget that, that, that you set and break for your Christmas. I can't do those things for you, but I can try to relate some things to you that might help you. And there's something that this week that I, I, I want to share with you that I think, I, I really think, and going back to this, this little story here in Luke chapter 2, when the angels came to, 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 to the shepherds, and I want to read this again. Verse 8 says, there were shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Everybody say, Terrified. They were they were freaked out, and part of the reason it's obvious, angels don't appear to, very often, they don't appear to shepherds, and it was something out of the ordinary, something that was unexpected, and I love the angels' response. I've said this a gazillion times, I'm going to say it a gazillion and one. I think that when angels became angels, and, and and work with me here, you know, God ordained and created and all those things, I'm not insinuating that that, you know... You're going to die and become an angel or something like that. My, my point simply is that, that sometime, I, I, in my imagination, I think that the angel's message always started with angel training 101. was like you're gonna, When you show up, when I send you on an assignment, God is telling them, when I send you on an assignment and you show up, people are going to freak out. Here's the first thing you need to say. Don't be afraid. Because every time you see an angel show up, the first thing they say is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then right here, here's the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I'm presenting to you a message that in the beginning, it's causing you to be afraid. It's causing you to be terrified. But it's a message that will produce great joy. And it's for everybody. And I want you to see something today. I want you to see that in the midst of all of these things, Christmases are going to go bad from time to time. Things are going to happen that you're not going to understand, and you're going to wonder why. But at the beginning of Christmas, in, in, in the story that we celebrate, God shows up. How many of you would like God to show up in your life? How many of you have... Perhaps something that you're believing God for, where you go, say, God, I want you to intervene in this. I, I want you to maybe, I, I, you know, maybe it's a financial thing, maybe it's a physical thing, maybe it's something like that that, that is going on in your life. You say, one more time, raise your hand. How many of you want God to do something in your life this holiday season, this Christmas season? Anyone? Anyway, all right, that's a lot of you. That's a lot of you that say, I need God to do something. I want God to do something. I want Him to intervene in my life but I need you to understand something and I need you to see something as it relates to this because the initial reaction to the good news, the initial reaction to this good news that was to cause great joy that was for all people, the initial reaction to good news was to be terrified. It was to be afraid. When God began to intervene, when God began to do something, when God began to step into the life of of the humans on planet Earth, it created something that terrified them. The shepherd's reaction was to be afraid at God's intervention. And so when you and I say, God, I want you to do something in my life, God, I want you to move in my life, I, I, I want you to, I, I want you to, 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 I need a miracle, you need to be prepared for something. And I think the Christmas story helps us to understand that because the shepherds were afraid. They were terrified. But it wasn't just the shepherds. We read these words. You know, we we understand that the angel came to Mary and, 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 you know, said, hey, you know, you're you're highly favored and, 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 you know, there's going to be a miracle. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive a child and you're going to, you know, you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name Jesus. And she's freaking out. It's like, I don't know why. What's going on? This doesn't happen. In Matthew Or in Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, the angel said, here's the angel again. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. Why? She's freaking out. Angel shows up and tells her all kinds of things she doesn't understand. The angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I don't know. I marvel at Mary. You found favor with God. Everything that you thought, everything that you've been planning for—I mean, your life is kind of now—it's—you it's, know—it's in motion. You're engaged. You're going to be married. You're gonna, all these things that are that are now out in front of you. The ball's rolling, and now God's found you—you fa- you found favor in the sight of God, and God has just ruined all of your plans. Think about that. She had her life mapped out. She she knew everything that was going to happen. And then God stepped in. The intervention of God stepped in, and it brought great confusion into her life. It was extremely inconvenient. Think about it. I mean, we kind of tease and have fun about the whole thing. How do you explain to your your fiancé, how do you explain now all of a sudden you're pregnant? Which is the next part of the story, because Joseph hears that. I can't imagine that conversation. How do you explain that? And Joseph was a good man. He was a just man. He was a, he was a righteous man. He hears the news, you know, Mary's pregnant. Well, what have you been, what have you been doing? Who, who? Who's the father? God is. What? And so he's, he's calculating and he's scheming. How, how do I, what am I going to do here? I mean, if I marry her, it's, it's a question. What are people going to think? And so he goes to sleep one night and he has a dream. <laughs> Matthew chapter one, and verse twenty, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. We see that that when God brought The Christmas story brought the angelic proclamation to the shepherds. The shepherds were terrified when an angel appeared to Mary with the good news and great joy and the favor of God. Mary was afraid. And when Joseph was told the story that that she's now pregnant and all of these things are going to happen, it took an angel to appear to him in a dream to tell him, don't be afraid. Accept the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. And while the, the message of Christmas, Christmas and Christianity, it, it is good news of great joy for all people, sometimes that good news, sometimes that great joy, that intervention that God wants to bring into your life individually, into my life individually, can produce fear. It makes us afraid. See, well, I've never been afraid of God. Never had an angel appear to me. You know what Peter says? The book of Peter says that the word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. These 66 volumes of God's word are more sure. They are more foundational, steadfast. They are rock solid. They are more solid than if an angel would appear to you. You have 66 volumes that bypass the angel talk that go to God's talk. And if you've never been confronted with scriptures in here, verses in here, that maybe put a little bit of fear into your heart, or into your life or into your thinking, then I, I, I want you, I kind of want to challenge your Christianity, your walk with God. Because there's things in here that are challenging. There are things in here that might seem and feel bigger than you are. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 tells us this. It says 2 Timothy 1 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If I were you, and if you're kind of new to some of these things, or even if you're not, this is a scripture that I would wear out. That's what I mean by wearing out. Memorize it. Write it down. Underline it. Pray this every day. There's about four or five scriptures in my life that I, I say this way. I've, I've kind of worn them out. I don't mean that you're never going to wear out the word of God. But I prayed them constantly. The first one was 1 John 1, nine. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you for sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I prayed that constantly, Heavenly Father, thank you in the name of Jesus, because I lived after such guilt and condemnation, and I had to understand, I had to believe, I had to believe this more sure word of prophecy, that God was willing and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and I would have to take that to God over and over and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all, and I believe that you have done that right now in Jesus' name. Another scripture that I wore out is that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And I had to constantly remind myself, Heavenly Father, I thank you, that you said, even though I don't feel you right now, you said you would never leave me. You would never forsake me. I had to pray often, I had to pray often that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That God, you put something on the inside of me. I don't feel it. I don't think you, I don't feel like it, but I believe you did. So I'm going to believe you're smarter than I am. I don't feel it, but God, you said it, so I'm going to believe what you said, regardless of what I feel. And this is another one. God, you did not give me a spirit of fear, actually a spirit of, of timidity, of drawing back, of shyness. You didn't give me that spirit. You gave me a different spirit, a spirit full of power and full of love and, and a sound mind, a calm and a well-balanced mind, a calm mind. And I've had to to remind myself uh, in a lot of different contexts, and a lot of, this is not just for Sunday morning. This is on a racquetball court, on a basketball court. This is in life. This is in talking to people. Father, I thank you that I have a calm and a well-balanced mind. I thank you that I can relax in my thought life. I thank you that I can see and perceive and understand. I I, I pray these things often, and you need to pray these things often. This This is the armor of God. It is the the shield of faith that protects us from the attacks of the enemies. And so this idea that God's not giving you a spirit of fear but a power and a love and a sound mind become, I think, become become really, really important because in our lives, in followership of God and, and, and trying to live, trying to be a, a doer of the word of God, you need to think correctly. When we're outside of the four walls of this church and you're living life and doing what you do, you need to remind yourself that God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but one that is powerful. It's powerful. There's something greater on the inside of you because there are promises. There are things right here in this book that'll challenge you. That'll challenge you. It'll It'll shake you to your core at times because you think it's bigger than what you are. You see... We want God's intervention in our life. Amen? We want God working in our life. But sometimes God's intervention in our life doesn't always look like God intervening. Sometimes when God intervenes in our life, it does not look like God's intervention. It looks terrifying. It looks bigger than we are. It looks intimidating. It looks too hard. And because it looks too hard and it seems intimidating, we draw back. We're timid. We're afraid to step out. We're afraid to lean into. And I think that the Christmas story reminds us of those things. And it's part of the reason, I believe part of the reason that we are given those examples of the shepherds, of Mary and of Joseph and others throughout the word of God. You see, I think that when it came to Israel, first of all, they wanted God's intervention. They wanted The deliverance that the Messiah was to bring, for hundreds of years, thousands of years, the the Messiah had been promised that there would be a ruler that would be that would come and would once again reestablish the 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 nation and the kingdom of Israel. They were just waiting for that. That's why we call this season the Advent. It was the coming. It was the, the 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 yearned for expectation that was now born on planet Earth. That's why we call it the advent. And so the promised Messiah, the promise of the return of the kingdom, all of these promises. And then God had gone silent for 300 years. And for, during those 300 years, there was no prophetic word. There wasn't anything. And people drifted farther and farther and farther away from God. And then when God intervened, not only did they miss it. If you read John chapter 1, the gospel of John in chapter 1, not only did they miss it later, they rejected the deliverance that God brought. They rejected the intervention that God brought into your life, into into their life, and you might think, "Well, I would never do that. I'd never reject the intervention of God." You'd reject it if you didn't recognize it as intervention, but instead you were intimidated and afraid by it, and you backed away from it. That makes it difficult, and so again, sometimes God's intervention doesn't look like God intervening, and you see, God wanted to intervene into the affairs of humanity. He wanted to intervene. He wanted to show himself. But the problem was, Israel wanted a nice, tidy, neat, understandable miracle. Just like you and me. We want our miracles nice and tidy and neat and understandable. We kind of want to you know, just wait on the Lord. Okay, God, I prayed and I believed, and now I'm just going to wait. I'm just waiting on you, God. And we're going to wait around and wait around and wait around and wait around. I've shared this with, me, with this congregation before in this context of this, this thought. That sometimes when we are presented with the word of God, it seems bigger than we are. It seems like we are unable in our own strength to be able to do this. Shelly and I years ago, uh, not proud to say this, <laughs> but um, we had to learn some things about generosity. We had to learn some things about what the Word of God had to say to us. We had gotten ourselves in a position somewhat because of our own selves and somewhat because of our circumstances of things that were going on just around us as we began to pastor out in Pennsylvania in in a very small church, a lot of different things. Make a long story short because some of you have already heard some of these things. We got to a point where we weren't just hundreds of dollars or even thousands of dollars, but thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt, credit card debt. That's no fun. That is no fun. And it wasn't, some of it, again, was because of decisions we made. Some of it, was be, it was just beyond us because of, of you know, salary and things, and we were working a couple different jobs. All the things that were going on, like many, many people find themselves in. And I would, I, I would hear things, and we believe things. You know, God, you're a miracle-working God. God, you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We believe in miraculous debt cancellation and all of those things. And I'd love to tell you that we prayed those things, and somebody walked up to us and wrote out a check, opened up the checkbook, wrote it out, ripped, and said, "Here you go. Let me pay off all of your bills." Can I tell you that never happened? I am so bitter and resentful because not one person listened to God. <laughs> See, I wanted a nice, tidy, easy... I wanted God's intervention. I wanted a nice, tidy, easy miracle that I'd say, "Woo, there's God. But God wanted something more than that from me or from us. He wanted us to trust Him. He wanted us to believe Him. And we'd go to the Word of God. And and, and we believe in giving. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving more than the tithe. We believe that. And and, and I'm going to tell you right now, to give 10%, that was was so hard. Like... We all know what that's like, even just to give. But, but, but God's not giving us a spirit of fear. I wanted God's intervention in my life, but to get God's intervention in my life, I had to do things God's way. Can you believe it? That's just not right. That's not fair. You can't get God's blessing if you don't get under the spout where the glory comes out. Get your life aligned with what he says. And whatever area and realm, you want the peace of God in your life, then you're going to have to do things that bring the peace of God into your life. You want the joy of the Lord to be your strength, then you're going to have to be joyful. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to rejoice. Re means to put something, to start something that used to be there, but it's not anymore. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's on the inside of you right now. you've got to stir it up. you got to stir it up. Kind of like, like the old cars, you know, takes you a little bit, but it'll get going. You gotta take the step of faith. Amen. Israel wanted God's intervention. You and I want God's intervention. We want something that's understandable, something that's easy, something that we can, that is convenient for our present circumstances. But when you read the Christmas story, there wasn't one thing that was convenient in anybody's life not one thing was it convenient for Mary man she had the plan she had everything uh, you know orchestrated what her life was going to be life it didn't it, it was not easy it complicated her life it wasn't easy for Joseph it complicated his life and I think the message and the story of Christmas is that sometimes God's intervention complicates our life but it complicates our life in all the right ways It complicates your life in a good way. And God doesn't complicate your life to make your life miserable. It's because he wants to show you something. And I think that maybe the way that I I want to bring this message to a close is that Israel wanted God's intervention. But God wanted more than that. God wanted to send a revelation of himself. God wanted to give a revelation. God wanted them to understand something greater that God is the source, and that sometimes (laughs) in the form of that little babe of Bethlehem, and I think that's why God sent a baby, because he didn't want there to be any misunderstanding, he didn't want there to be any mistake that there was a powerful God behind a baby. It would make more sense for him to send a king. It would make more sense for him to send a great ruling warrior, but instead he sent a baby. It didn't make sense, but God wanted to send a revelation. God wanted them to see and to know and to understand the events of Christmas and the Christmas story, the the shepherds, the stars, the glory of God. I I, I can't wait. I, I when I get to heaven, I want to see that. I want to watch that. It's like God show me that. I want. I just, I just think it would be awesome. I just. But all of those things of the Christmas story. At the end of the day, it wasn't. It wasn't those things that changed the shepherd's life or other people's life. It was the babe that was born in a manger. It was Jesus. Listen to this in in Luke chapter 2, a couple of verses. Verse 15 says, When the angel had left them, angels had left them. This is the shepherds. He said, you know, good news, great joy, all people. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. You see... Angels brought a word. They brought something, but they needed to see something. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 17. And when they had seen him, you need to understand, they saw the angels. They saw the glory. They saw all these other things. But it wasn't until they saw Jesus, they humbled themselves and they bowed down before him. That's when things began to change. Verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The events of Christmas and all of those other things, they were awesome, powerful. But all of those things went away. And they were left standing in a manger, which probably wasn't so awesome because stables probably smelled like stables. Probably uncomfortable, inconvenient that's what changed them. It was the encounter with Jesus. All of the things that we look at as Christmas, the beauty and the wonder, the lights, the Christmas decorations, the presents, and the people, all of those things are wonderful. But traditions don't change your life. Gifts and presents, they don't change your life. There's only one that does, and His name's Jesus. I pray this Christmas season and in this series, Simply Christmas, that that's what you would see, that this babe that was born in a manger, God sent, he's the one that makes the difference in your life. And as you keep your eyes on him, as you keep your focus on him, as you delve into his word and into his presence, that's what's going to bring change into your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, come before you once again today. Lord, I thank you for this congregation of men and women. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be the difference in each and every person's life. I pray that Father, while we can be distracted by life, we can be we can be overwhelmed by the pressure and the complexities of all of the things that we face. But Father, I pray that right now there would be a breaking of those things, and that Your presence would fill each and every one of us in a powerful way. That Father, Your Spirit would refresh us. I thank You that the joy of the Lord would be strength to us, and that we would rejoice. That we would stir up the joy that's on the inside of us. That we would that we would seek after those things that bring peace into our life. That we would. Eliminate the things that bring chaos, that bring stress, and that bring pressure. Father, I pray there'd be a refreshing in the heart and the mind and the soul of this congregation in this time, that we would truly see the beauty of Christmas, not just in trees and presents and lights, but that we would see the beauty of a savior, uh, the, the power of a God who brought his son to this planet because he loved us so much and that he purchased the price so that we could have redemption, that we could be changed from darkness to light, that we would become children of the most high God. We thank you for that. And Father, I thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear. I thank you that on the inside of us there is a spirit of power and love and it produces a calm and a well-balanced mind. And so, Father, in moments and times when we are afraid of your plan, when we're afraid of your word, when we're afraid of, of what it's going to cost us to follow you, where it might be inconvenient because of what other people might say about us, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you give us a spirit of boldness rather than timidity, that we will not back away from being true followers, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you for all of these powerful, wonderful things that you've done for us in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you, Joy Christian Center. Have an awesome rest of your week. We'll invite you back next Sunday on the 20th, got some great things, and then our Christmas Eve service on the 24th of December. God bless you.